All right, guys, what's going on? My name is Matteo. Welcome back to the channel. Uh, welcome all the new subscribers. I know that we were supposed to have an interview for Pirate Chain coming out today, but that's going to have to come tomorrow morning because there are some rather sticky things going on in China right now. And we did a video on this yesterday. If you haven't seen that, go see it. And go see all of our videos because we're just so ahead of the curve on everything that's going on. But um, go see that video just so you can get caught up with what's going on in here because we're going to build on the back of what we talked about yesterday. But there are some rather serious things going on in China. Now, I'm not trying to make anyone concerned. I'm not trying to spread FUD. I'm not trying to get people worried, okay? Um, just take this information in. Now, this is going to be financial advice, but just be intelligently adaptive because, frankly, I'm seeing some common parallels between what's going on now in China and what happened last year in China before everything started to break out. Um, and I think that it's worth being ahead of the curve on this stuff because there are so many variables at play here that if contagion really starts to get off the ground in the financial sphere because of what's happening that we're about to get into, um, that's going to have implications for you and your family and people that you know. And being on the right side of this will be important and being well prepared for this is going to be important. Now, hopefully it's not as big a deal as it looks like it could be based on what we're about to get into. Um, but ultimately, you just have to understand the backdrop, okay? And a lot of people who find this channel, you understand where we're at. We've got $300 trillion in debt throughout the world, uh, just raised by $32 trillion last year. Uh, inflation is starting to pick up here in the United States. Um, economic data in China is really starting to hit hard uh, to the downside. And there are many things in play right now that are making... Are, are, that are making the environment look rather precarious. Let's put it that way. And so uh, if you're aware of the backdrop of this, this isn't necessarily going to be that big of a surprise, but it's going to be something which gets your attention in regards to maybe it's the first domino to drop in a big series of dominoes. So this is worth paying attention to. Um and you'll also learn a little bit about the Chinese real estate market. You'll learn a little bit about the Chinese economy, how that works. So it'll be educational, but also trade accordingly, right? Um, so let's just get into this. Guys, remember, this is key information. So like the video, share the video, subscribe to the channel. We have some of the most cutting-edge information here on this channel that anyone could find, seriously. And I know that we have 300 subscribers, which I think we just passed tonight. So thank you, everyone, for subscribing. That's great. Uh, but yes, a lot of key info. Tune in, tune in, and uh, you know, check the donation links below, check the social media, all that stuff, so that's wonderful. Okay, so let's get into this, guys. The first thing that we're going to take a look at here is the dollar index. Now, Evergrande, which is a Chinese real estate development firm, again, as we talked about yesterday, which is going into default, it's going into bankruptcy, uh, has $300 billion in liabilities. $200 billion of those liabilities are U.S dollar-denominated bonds. Okay, so that is important because the dollar is now kind of making a move up. Now, it's making a move up because people think that the Fed is going to taper. I don't know why they think that. The Federal Reserve balance sheet just hit a new all-time high this week. It's continuing to go exponential. I don't see any reason that they're going to taper, uh, especially with everything going on. This could be actually the reason, and this will be our last point of the video. I say this to the end, but this could be the reason that they go hypernova with um, 
their debt expansion and their money printing, as they did in 2020 when the Federal Reserve, I think, printed like $7 trillion in a single week and nationalized the corporate bond market, started buying corporate bonds and all this other crazy stuff. This could be the excuse that they use to buying stocks and corporate bonds in the United States. And I think they stopped the corporate bond buying when everything stabilized, but they could go back to that and maybe start buying stocks, which we all knew was the end game, but that may be what is coming as a result of all this. And I know that sounds like like crazy right now, right? That sounds hyperbolic, but uh, just, just thinking out loud with you guys, okay? So the dollar's going up. And if they have all these dollar-denominated bonds that they need to pay to these people, even if it's pennies on the dollar, it's going to be more expensive for them to do that if the dollar is moving upwards. Now, again, I don't think the Fed's going to taper. It's maybe going to move back down. But if the, Ch- if the Chinese like actually make a move to try to uh, provide liquidity to these real estate investment firms, which have a lot of dollar-denominated bonds that they can't pay principal on or interest payments, well, they're going to have to go into the market, uh, the FX market, to buy dollars and then give to them. Or the Fed is going to open up swap lines, as we talked about yesterday. But we'll see. We'll see. There are some other variables that are going to play into this that we'll get to later. But that's something to note. The dollar is moving up. Oh, this is just the one day, so let me extend to the five days so you can sort of see the trend here. 93.25. Yeah, so it's moving upwards here a little bit. And I made a tweet that one good thing that we're seeing is that the 10-year Treasury note, the 10-year bond, is still trading within a range. So it looks like the market so far is not too concerned about this, which is good. Um, am I still recording? Yeah. Which is good because when you start to see a spike in the 10-year U.S. Treasury, that is indicative of problems. And um, if it trades within a range, you don't have to worry about it because it's the bond market, which ultimately holds up the stock market and the real estate market. Everything is held on the back of the bond market, which has been going up for 40 years now as the Fed has just continuously bought more and more and more and lowered lowered interest rates. Uh, but if that starts to go, if there starts to be a huge bond market sell-off, uh, that's your... That's your prime indicator, right? So that looks like it's still trading in a range. Now, I had talked about 2020. When I started to see a lot of videos coming out of China, and I was starting to understand that there was a kind of breakout happening that could become serious, um, I sold everything. I I got out. I ran for the hills. And it was kind of hard to do that because stocks were continuing to go up and the market was generally ignoring what was happening in China in many cases because China was starting to censor people from talking about what was happening in China just as they're doing now. There are reports now that you can't talk about the situation going on with Evergrande in China. And so, again, we're starting to see more parallels, but I saw this all happening. I'm like, there's no way. Like, This is going to come over here. This is going to become a huge issue. So I'm out, getting in the cash. And I'm not saying that this is the same situation. Again, we're just being speculative here. But it takes sometimes the market a little while to catch up. Um, And you want to be the first one out if there starts to be a problem. Now, stocks are already a little bit under pressure. But again, they're under pressure largely because there's movements into the dollar because people think the Fed's going to taper. That's the narrative right now. Anyway, uh, the narrative doesn't really have too much to do with Evergrande yet. Uh, But... 
it could. And once that starts, once there start to be fears of contagion, once people start to see who's invested in what, uh, that has connections with Evergrande or the Chinese real estate development sector, uh, that could lead to kind of a situation we saw back in 2020. It could lead to a lot of fear, a loss of confidence, and a huge pan sell-off, right? So again, just being speculative, not financial advice, but this is just what I'm thinking right now. So let's go to the next article. So I want to give you guys a little bit of a background as to what's happening in China. Uh, this isn't just an isolated incident that came out of left field. China has been cracking down on excessive risk-taking and speculation, which makes sense, right? Because ever since 2020, when central banks coordinated to flood the financial system with trillions upon trillions of dollars of liquidity, uh, I mean, just just look at a graph of the S&P or the Dow from the lows of March 2020 up until where they are now. I mean, stocks like Tesla have gone up like what? Like 700% or something like that, like some ludicrous amount. And uh, yeah, it's just gone totally parabolic, which doesn't make any sense. It's just fake money that's just been introduced there. It's all inflation, which we're starting to see now, which is starting to become seriously problematic here in the United States. But that's a whole other conversation. Uh, but yeah, there's been a lot of speculation. There's been a lot of excess risk-taking. And, you know, one of the funny theories as to why people aren't going back to work is, you know, you look at Reddit and you see Wall Street Bets. It's got like 10 million members, right? Uh, everyone's just, you know, trading crypto, trading on Robinhood and everything like this. And the Chinese real estate um, sector, as we talked about in yesterday's video, is kind of akin to the U.S. stock market. Um, a lot of everyday people, they put their money, their savings into real estate. They have a lot of real estate investment trusts. A lot of people buy these properties that are guaranteed payments over years by other people who manage it like Evergrande. And so it, that their real estate bubbles, like our stock market, bubble, our stock market bubble. And so, um, yeah, like everyday people own like two houses <laughs> over in China. Like it's crazy. Um, and we talked about other reasons why there's such a huge real estate bubble. Again, check out the video yesterday. We don't have time to get into all that stuff. But there's a general uh, crackdown from tech to education to food delivery companies happening in China. So let's get into this. Uh, from technology to education and property, it seems no sector is safe from Beijing's far-reaching tentacles. First up is Alibaba. China's richest, uh, China's biggest e-commerce company was founded by this man, once China's richest person, Jack Ma. Uh, Ma made a speech back in October 2020, blasting the country's regulatory system. Uh, yeah, and then he disappeared <laughs> for a few months, I think, if I remember right. And just a funny note, um, if you really want a life expectancy worse than somebody who smokes cigarettes or gets the jab right, um, become a billionaire in China. Like, billionaires in China literally drop dead more than, you know, obese old people at a nursing home in New York <laughs> during the crisis, right? It's kind of crazy. Those stinging comments are widely viewed as the trigger for what came next. Beijing abruptly suspended, uh, record $37 billion stock market debut, blah, 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 right? So they're cracking down here, too. Next up is China's largest gaming and social media company, Tencent. It was... Uh, fine for failing to report past details to antitrust regulators. Um, Tencent has also been affected by China's latest efforts to combat gaming addiction among minors. 
Which is interesting, right? Which is interesting. Like, some of this also plays into culture. The Chinese care a lot about their culture. They care a lot about who they are. And um, we don't really have that here too much in the United States. Just like, okay, you do you, as crazy as you are, even if it destroys you know everyone around you and your family, go ahead and do it. Um, so they're combating video games. They've got this new policy now um, where they're banning people off social media. I think if... They're like dudes wearing dresses and stuff like that. Like they're trying to fight against uh, male femininity. Like they're trying to actually make their population, the the young men, more masculine. Like there's a program in China to do that, which is kind of crazy. Um, and then I think Xi made a speech where he said that homes are for living in, not for speculation. And so interesting things coming out of China, um, interesting things. Just want to make a note of that. But that plays into some of this crackdown, right? The food delivery company, Mayuten, became another target of anti-dress probe in April. Yeah, so they're going after quite a few different areas. Uh, we see here uh, the Communist Party issued new rules for profit tutoring on the school curriculum. Uh, private educational services are also in the crosshairs. So... Yeah, there's a general crackdown happening. So that's good to note because a lot of people are like, oh, well, what's going to happen is they're going to bail out Evergrande. And I keep hearing this more and more, which is why people are like, oh, this Evergrande stuff, it's FUD. Oh, the, they're just going to do what they did with banks over the last few years, which there have been a few banks which have been in trouble over the last few years. And what happens? They invariably get nationalized. They get taken over by the Chinese state. Well, this time it may be different. This time it may be different because they're trying to get rid of excess risk. And if Beijing comes in to bail out Evergrande, uh, that's going to encourage more risk-taking on the behalf of other property developers. They're like, oh, Beijing's got our back. Cool. Let's go ahead and do some more speculative Ponzi scheme trading, right? That could be what happens. And maybe Beijing's totally aware of this, so they want to maybe make an example of somebody like Evergrande, a, a firm like Evergrande. Who knows Like if there's like internal politics going on, who knows? But um, that is something to be aware of, right? And as we're about to get into, there's no bailout coming. Okay, so let's put to rest that notion, unless it really starts to get serious and then they fold. Uh, Chinese state media has already said there's no bailout coming. And we speculated yesterday that either it's nationalization and a bailout, or Contagion is going to get off the chain. And we're going to get to Contagion here in a sec. That's starting to metastasize. So just take a look at this chart. This is Evergrande. It sort of plays into what we said yesterday. How did you go poor? What happened? Well, it happened slowly. And then all at once, boom. And big red candle there. So yeah, they're going broke. And of course, if you go bankrupt, the equity is totally worthless. Right. So it should be zero. Uh, China's Evergrande. This is investing.com. China's Evergrande should not bet on government bailout. China state media. Okay, so that's key. <laughs> and there's a gif of Michael Burry here. Just drumming away. Uh, reminiscent of the big short. If you haven't seen that, great movie. Uh, so this is just the source. Evergrande must not rely on bailout, says Global Times editor. Uh, so Global Times is a Chinese propaganda rag. So if they're saying it... Probably the case. And we're not going to read too much into it. Just all you need to know is they're not going to bail them out. 
Evergrande is scrambling to raise funds to pay its many lenders and suppliers and investors, with regulators warning its $305 billion of liabilities could spark broader risk to the country's financial system if not stabilized. Uh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Do, do, do. And this is funny, right? Global Times editor-in-chief Hu Zhijin said on his WeChat social media account on Thursday that Evergrande should turn to the market for salvation, not the government. I thought China was communist. You know, that's quite, a, that's quite interesting because something like this would not happen here in the United States, that's for sure. I mean, do you guys remember back in 2020 when the Fed started to buy Boeing bonds? How crazy was that? Boeing got a bailout. So, yeah. Pretty crazy. Are we not communist here in the United States? Honest question. Honest questions. Uh, this is also some, some backdrop for you to understand. China home price growth weakens as Evergrande hurts confidence. So we're starting to see home price growth tumble. And just understand the dynamics of this guy. So if Evergrande's in default and they have to pay their creditors, well... I think what they've actually ended up doing is for some of their investors, instead of paying them uh, liquid cash because they don't have the liquidity, they're just giving them apartments. They're just giving them real estate. And what are they going to do with that real estate once they get swapped that real estate? Well, they're probably going to sell it for cash. But here's the deal. Maybe Evergrande needs to raise funds to pay other investors that are like, no, I'm not going to take an apartment or you know a piece of real estate. And so what are they going to do? They're going to sell that real estate. And if other real estate property developers in China are aware of this, uh, they're going to sell. And given how overvalued the Chinese real estate property market is, you could see a flood of selling hit the market. And if that happens, uh, a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money. The real estate market's going to burst. And we've already started to see uh, the ramifications of this happening. Uh, Australian iron ore companies are starting to go bust. Um, Rio Tinto and Vale, who are two big commodity producers, specifically of iron ore in Brazil, uh, they are significantly losing uh, market share. Or not market share, but uh, market cap. They've been down, I think, 25% in the last week. So they've been hit very hard by this. Uh, so, yes, China's home price growth weakened for a third month in August, signaling that restrictions in the housing sector and an escalating crisis at the country's most indebted developer are hurting buyer sentiment. Yes. Softness in the home market is becoming more evident as regulators curb. Uh, efforts to curb the real estate sector coincide with worsening cash crunches at China Evergrande Group. Higher mortgage rates, tighter rules for home purchases, and measures to curtail excess borrowing. Again, we see the measures to, cur to curtail excess borrowing entering here by developers have all weighed on the market. Yeah, so note that. And so here we go. We're starting to see contagion. So this is from Lisa Abramowitz or Abramowicz, something like that. So she says, there are pockets of contagion in Chinese markets from Evergrande Swoon. The property developers' woes exacerbate an already softening housing market, which accounts for 28% of China's economy. Okay, so big deal. Big deal. And so uh, this white line here, which is starting to tank, is Country Garden Holdings. The purple line is Zhenzhou R&F Properties. 
the orange I can't see, and the blue is Evergrande. So you're starting to see other property developers get hit, and we're going to see more of that in this article here from macrobusiness.com. Uh, Chinese property developers dive towards hard landing. Chinese credit is slowing, and the property development segment is diving into a hard landing. The signals are everywhere. Goldman has more. And we'll get to the high-yield bond breakout here in a little bit. That is pretty uh, key. But, uh, yeah, Evergrande Development's the main driver for near-term risk with Evergrande bonds pricing an elevated risk of default. And this was written September 13th. Uh, they stopped the trading, which means they're effectively in default. But investors are questioning how fat the tail risk is for China property bonds. More specifically, could we see defaults pick up for a sizable number of high-yield bond issuers? And, yeah, that's already starting to happen as we'll get to in this article. But, yes, China junk bond yields are breaking out now. They're above the March 2020 highs, and they're as high as they were going back to 2011 with the Great Repo Crisis that happened then. So, yeah, they're already breaking out, which means that people are selling them. And uh, if you don't know how bonds work, Yields break out when there is a sell-off in the bonds, and the yields are meant to attract investors. The higher the yield, the more attractive it is for investors to get into the bonds, and so when bonds sell off, they raise rates, and when more people are getting to the bonds, the rate lowers because they don't need to make it as attractive for investors, right? So just sort of elementary stuff there. Uh, ba -ba -ba -ba. Yeah, so you could read into that. But I want to get to, um, there's a lot of data here. There's a lot of data. But just check this out. This is key. Is contagion spreading throughout China? While clearly Evergrande is the 800-pound gorilla behind the recent concerns of contagion spreading in China, it's not unique, nor is it the first. That is, in Exhibit 1120 below, we highlight the debt and equity trading range for the largest currently stressed Chinese developers in chronological order uh, form when their debt began to fail. These are U.S. dollar bonds. Admittedly, onshore debt would be better, but the data is less available. And, you know, it's hard to get honest data out of China. We don't know how much gold they have. We don't really know what's going on in China. Uh, but, yes, we can measure the U.S. dollar bonds. So let's go down this list. China Fortune Land Development, $61 billion of liabilities. This firm defaulted in January, the first major default of this tightening cycle. Ping An, largest issuer in China, reported a $5.5 billion loss relating to China Fortune in its uh, 1H21 results. China South City Holdings, $10 billion of liabilities. Bond trading at 100 as of January 21st, but has consistently traded down since February with a big step down in the past two weeks. The current price is 69 Okay, so that's a pretty significant decline of about 31%. Uh, the current yield is 42%. Oh, my gosh. All right. So, Yuzu, $21 billion of liabilities, massive debt sell-off in late March. Since then, its debt has remained surprisingly sturdy, although its equity continues to fall. Shishuang uh, Lejeng, $31 billion of liabilities. Initial weakness showed up in February, but legged down in April before settling at just $0.25 cents on the dollar. Yeah, price is now slowly on recovery. We'll see about that. So you can look at all of these. 
uh, Fantasia, $12 billion of liabilities post Evergrande. Things are falling faster. Bonds traded at par in June. By September, banks stopped accepting it as collateral. So, yes, more sell-off here in Sunshine City. Uh, so, yes. <laughs> okay, this is interesting. We talked about this in the prior uh, slide. Zhengzhou RNF, $51 billion in liabilities. This is wet your pants territory. RNF is a major developer that did not even show stress even as Evergrande began to fall. Yes. And this was written on the 13th of September. Um, but as we see here, it's definitely been a decline over the last couple days. And it's been a decline generally. Um, yeah, it's part of the contagion territory for sure. So what does this all mean? What does the above tell us? Well, Evergrande is not unique. Rather, it's one of many, right? Right. Two, collateral has been getting squeezed for months as defaults mount. And three, the most recent sell-offs have been more abrupt and violent in issuers whose stress emerged just weeks ago. <laughs> Here we go. In brief, and why we are perplexed, this isn't getting more media coverage. This is not coincidental. It's a chain reaction. Okay, so again, contagion, dominoes falling. That is, if a developer defaults, lenders cut lending to its peers. As lending dries, it makes those peers much more likely to fail. Each default also decreases the expected recovery as fire sales crush the market of the underlying. Combined, the names above, each in default or significant stress, represent over $500 billion of total liabilities. Half a trillion dollars of total liabilities. Okay. Oh, okay. That's significant, right? That's that's not a small number. Liabilities are not just debt, but payments to suppliers, employees, remaining construction costs, etc. And again, I keep seeing stuff online where people are like, oh, this is just centered in China. Like, oh, if we look at these banks, they only have this much exposure to Evergrande. Everyone's looking at Evergrande. Everyone's looking at one company. But there are so many dendrites, if you will, to introduce neuroscience, or there are so many connections to other nodes in the system where this isn't as linear as, oh, Evergrande goes down. These are the people exposed to Evergrande. Okay, well, that stinks. Like, no, Evergrande has like 200,000 employees. They hire like a million people for contract every year. They have supplies coming in from, again, as we talked about, many miners who mine iron ore and copper and some of these other commodities, they're going to get affected. Maybe they have to let off workers. Um, and as we'll get to, there have been 1.5 million people or so who have given deposits to Evergrande for homes or real estate projects which haven't even been built yet. And so then you have the 70,000 people, again, as we'll get to, who have invested in wealth management projects, which is basically like an off-balance sheet liability that they have, those people are going to be out. And so with all those people no longer having that cash flow come in, who knows what they do in their daily life? Are they going to be able to pay their cell phone bills? Are they going to be going to Starbucks every morning now? Maybe not. Um, and so that's less of that's less cash for Starbucks maybe coming in because maybe some people in Starbucks' area, wherever it's set up, maybe got hit by the Evergrande thing. Maybe they're not going to be regular customers as they used to. And so you have to understand the nonlinearity of a financial system, of an economy. Um, there are many, many things that you just don't know in regards to how people are affected when stuff like this happens. So 
think uh, more openly about this stuff. And again, I'm not saying I don't. I know the implications of all this. Nobody does. Nobody knows how deep this all goes. But as we're going to get through this video, you'll be able to get a better understanding because we're getting more information now as to the fallout from this and who's going to be uh, going out with the Todd. So let's keep reading. The whole ecosystem is on the brink, back to the article, which is a massive risk to the bulk metals complex, yet everyone is acting as if all is well. Right, and this, exact, this is exactly the feeling that I had last year uh, when I started to see the breakout from the laboratory, right? And I was like, man, people are just ignoring this. Why, why isn't anyone talking about this? This is so strange. And I told you guys, like, I was embarrassed of this uh, to admit it to you guys. But, you know, back in, you know, February or March of last year, before everyone woke up to this stuff, I was already wearing the gloves. I was already wearing the mask to the store when nobody else was. And people probably thought I was really weird. Um, and then I was the first one to take it off. So I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. But like, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, kind of gives me the same feeling. And who knows what they're going to do about it, right? So, uh, yeah, there's just more stuff here. New home sales in Beijing, uh, Shanghai. China manufacturing PMI, so that's dipping end. Let's move on to the next article now that you saw that. It's a little bit of background again. We see a little bit of contagion. But this is from Zero Hedge, uh, September 14th, a few days ago. Chinese data dump confirms hard landing is imminent. So just the headline numbers. Industrial production, year-to-date, year-on-year, missed. Retail sales, year-on-year, missed. Fixed asset inventory, year-on-year, missed. Uh, property investment, year-to-date, year-on-year, missed. And survey jobless rate in line. Okay, so... Um, yeah, consumption and industrial output and investment will reveal the extent of the damage caused by an outbreak of the variant, right? So, again, they're still dealing with, um, you know, the fallout from the bug. And you saw with the protest that everyone was still wearing, you know, the mask and everything like that. So they're still dealing with that. And, you know, I think there has been word that some ports are shutting down in China or could be shutting down because of another outbreak going on over there. But, yeah, look at these charts. We're seeing a downward trend. And one little note here, this is the credit impulse. And this is very, uh, this has a lot of correlation with what happens in global markets. So when credit impulse goes up, you can bet your last dollar that the U.S. stocks are going to pump. And there's a lot of documented correlation of this. So um, I imagine with China, who just recently injected uh, $14 billion in cash, according to this article, uh, to ease the pain of Evergrande and its fallout. And this came out today. This is relatively new. That could be turning around. That could be turning around. Um, so we'll go ahead and just read through this here. China injected more cash into its banking system and is signed. Authorities are seeking to avert a funding squeeze amid a seasonal rise in financing demand and the intensifying debt crisis at China Evergrande. So, yeah, they did it through the reverse repo market. And at least they're not having as big of repo activity or reverse repo activity as we're seeing in the United States because I think they're at over tr $1.2 trillion now in the reverse repo markets. 
United States. I'm not going to go into explaining what that is. I barely understand what that is, to be honest with you, but not good. You can probably guarantee that's not good. The move comes as trouble facing China Evergrande Group fuels investor concern over the health of real estate and credit markets. Adding to the stress is a seasonal spike in demand for cash as banks are hesitant to lend toward the end of the quarter ahead of regulatory checks. Liquidity also tends to diminish at this time of year ahead of a one-week holiday at the start of October. Avoiding a systemic liquidity squeeze is an absolute priority for the People's Bank of China, and it has means to do so. A Lehman-style financial market meltdown is not our top concern. Whoa, what did she just say? Hold on. A Lehman-style financial market meltdown is not our top concern, but an extended and severe economic slowdown seems more probable. Okay, so they're saying they're not expecting like a crash, right? Um, even though they have said that that is their worst-case scenario. But then again, um, Societe Generale, SA Economist, I don't know. I mean, again, we're hearing about censorship in China in regards to this stuff. You probably don't want to be a FUD spreader in China. You may get a knock on your door, right? Um, but even if they have an extended and severe economic slowdown, that's going to be problematic. That's not good because China pretty much leads the world economy in growth. Still, the PBOC's operation has yet to push money market rates lower. The seven-day repo rate, an indicator for interbank borrowing costs, jumped 14 basis points to 2.4, the highest since June 30. Uh, disquiet over Evergrande comes at a time when China's economy is already slowing. Uh, strict movement controls put in place to curb the bug outbreaks have hurt retail spending and travel. Uh, while steps to cool property prices have also taken their toll. On Wednesday, the country reported a sharper-than-expected slowdown in retail sales, as we just talked about, along with weaker growth in industrial production and fixed-asset investment. Right, and there's, they're saying right here something that we talked about over and over. Uh, the PBOC is striking a balance between stimulating the economy and making sure its cash injections don't result in asset bubbles. Well, let's just buy what it it does. That's the nature of cash injections. You blow bubbles with that. It's not built from the ground up. That's not healthy growth. That's just you trying to inject more, you know, dr heroin into the system, right? In order to prevent the ultimate cold turkey that needs to happen. Um, since July, it refrained from adding additional medium-term liquidity as policy loans come due. Yes, okay. I would not be surprised that the PBOC is acting to contain the fallout in the money markets. The uncertainty over Evergrande is spurring China watchers to game out potential worst-case scenarios as they contemplate how much pain the Communist Party is willing to tolerate. Pressure to intervene is growing as signs of financial contagion increase, as we talked about, right? Numerous industries could be exposed to credit risks if Evergrande was to default, it said smaller banks and vulnerable developers would be hurt the most. And who is invested in those banks, right? Uh, with more than $300 billion in liabilities, Evergrande's liquidity stress is stoking worries over the broader Chinese property industry. So not good for suppliers, other developers, other financial markets. Risks are growing that consumers could 
retrench further as the company falls behind on promised construction work and faces repayments on wealth management projects like we talked to uh, two individuals. 70000 I think, was the number. So, yeah, that is good to be aware of. So they'll probably need more than $14 billion. Okay. And so here is another article. What is China Evergrande and why is it in trouble? This is from Bloomberg. But I just wanted to point your attention here to a chart. Um, so if you look at the orange in this chart, this is monthly interest payments due on dollar bonds. So you'll see that with the white being the local bonds and the orange being the dollar bonds, there is significantly more dollar bonds that they owe than local yuan bonds. So that is worth noting. And they already had a liquidity scare in 2020. They talked about a liquidity crisis. So, yeah, you could read into all that. And here is bond payments they've got to do coming up. Evergrande needs to repay some $7.4 billion of maturing bonds next year. And they're all pretty much dollar-denominated, except for third-quarter bonds. But, yeah, a lot of dollar-denominated bonds. And, again, if the dollar shoots up, I mean, with everything going on, there's no way that the Fed can taper. I mean, if they were to increase interest rates right now and the dollar would soar, oh, man, you want to talk about pain to these guys. I mean, that'd be really rough. So... How's it going? Uh, yeah, and something to keep in mind is that Evergrande is not just involved in property development. They're involved, from what I understand, in uh, tourism, as it's said here. Um, they're invested in electric vehicle uh, projects. I think they're invested in mineral water projects, too, so... You know, they're everywhere. Let's just do a quick look on that because that's kind of relevant, right? Evergrande uh, Industries. Uh, maybe that's not going to be easy to find, and we'll just move on. But they're not just involved in real estate. Who knows what they're involved in? They got stuff everywhere. Uh so here's something. Oh, we're about to get to the good stuff. Okay. Yeah. So remember how we said yesterday that it looks like maybe some U.S. firms were at risk and were involved in this? Well, we're about to get to that fun part. Uh, China indebted property firm Evergrande committed two cardinal sins, says portfolio manager. This is CNBC. Uh, and this was written September 15th. Evergrande owns more than 1,300 real estate projects in over 280 cities in China. Okay, so everywhere. Protests by angry home buyers. Investors have reportedly broken out in various Chinese cities, so it could go totally national, these protests. Yeah, the first sin. Yeah, they borrowed too much money. Yes, we know. And they have questionable corporate governments. So, yeah, I mean, I think we went into detail yesterday as to how they were a Ponzi scheme. There's some reports of that, and you know, for the most part, it could be that the entire um, real estate 
property development sector in China is kind of a Ponzi scheme in and of itself. I mean, look at all the ghost cities that they're building over there. Pretty crazy. We talked about that yesterday. Um, contagion effect. So Kong warned that there's a lot of leverage in the system. Again, as we talked about yesterday, that's why it's really important to make sure that there continues to be liquidity and there continues to be confidence. Right, because if there's a huge sell-off, who knows what could happen. Last but not least, certainly there uh, certainly is to ensure there's no more social unrest because Evergrande does have a very deep reach. And that's probably the thing they're most concerned about is social unrest. And given that they're not going to bail it out, I imagine more social unrest is coming. I imagine more social unrest is coming. In recent days, protests by angry home buyers and investors have broken out in various cities. Yep. So they're all over in terms of their ability to l- deliver property. And if that gets truncated, we could actually see some more issues. Kong added. So this is the fun part, okay? Foreign investors are probably the last priority. Uh, and again, China's very nationalistic. It's not like they're going to pay you know, foreign bondholders first before their own people. I think that makes sense. But let's see what he says here. Foreign investors holding Evergrande bonds are definitely sweating. The government is clear on its goal of maintaining social stability. Again, yeah, key. And that means putting home buyers first, according to the portfolio manager. The first thing you want to do is provide enough confidence, provide liquidity so that they can deliver those homes to those people who put the down payments in. And again, that's about 1.5 million people who put those down payments in. Mom-and-pop investors will probably be the second priority, she said, referring to less experienced retail investors. Yeah, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. I'm not so sure about this. I think that they're going to try to get creditors of bigger institutions who have a bigger legal team to get paid off first because they want to avoid getting caught up in court more than they're already probably going to get caught up in court. And I think that they want to probably provide whatever liquidity they can first to those institutions which would have more contagion effect in too big to fail orientation, I guess you could say, than mom and pop investors, in my opinion. Because mom and pop investors are not structurally important. I mean, I hate to say that. That sounds inhumane, but that's probably how the the Tricoms are viewing them. You got a billion people. You have many fewer banks and financial institutions. Uh, You're probably going to want to get the liquidity to those banks and financial institutions first because if you don't, well, think of the mom-and-pop investors who are invested in those financial institutions, and maybe they're going to get the short end of the stick, right? So people are going to lose in this situation. I mean, there's no getting away from that. It's just a matter of how you could limit the fallout and prevent social unrest. And if they think this is the way to do it, maybe that's what's going to happen. But, you know, things are hierarchical, right? Um, You're going to want to start with those that have the most, uh, again, contagion potential, in my opinion. So I think that's what's probably going to happen. They're going to start with the big guys first and then move on to the small guys. So whereas offshore investors look... There are institutional investors who should actually understand these risks. Uh, so I think a lot of these investors should be looking at some type of amend and extend, meaning they may have to take a haircut on their principal or see their coupon being paid at a much later date. A coupon is annual interest paid out for a bond. And with interest, 
getting paid out later and principal getting paid out later with the inflation rate at what it's at now, that's not going to make these guys too excited. Um, time value of money is definitely becoming ever more important. And with inflation annualized, I think now, according to CPI in the United States, for dollars at about you know 6%, you know, that time is definitely picking up. And three-year inflation expectations are shooting up to their highest that they've been, I think, in like 12 years, ever since 2008. If I read that report right, it's not part of this. But uh, yeah, inflation expectations are going up significantly. People see a lot of inflation coming. Everybody knows it's not transitory. So again, time value of money is definitely playing into this. And if you're going to have to wait for that money, well, it's going to be the same nominal amount, but in real terms, it's going to be valued much less. So you're going to take a haircut either way. Um, Evergrande stock in Hong Kong, yeah, it's crashing. We know that. But... Yeah, as we talked about, foreign investors are probably the last priority. Now, what does that mean? This is when we get to the interesting part. Okay. This is who has exposure, according to this person right here. List of bondholders for other bonds of Evergrande. Okay. So we see HSBC, Big Asian Bank, Royal Bank of Canada, BlackRock, big American hedge fund right there. Vontobel, which is a Swiss private bank. Prudential, UBS, Ashmore Group. So some of these names I'm sure are familiar to you. Um, and we're going to get to a next article. We see Goldman Sachs, Fidelity, and Blackstone also involved with this. PIMCO as well, who are American. Hang Seng Bank. So, yeah, look at all these institutional investor uh, firms. Lots of exposure, right? Um, now, what are the... Let's see what the differences between these are. All holders sold by size. Evergrande. Uh, I've, I've never been in a Bloomberg terminal, which I believe is what that is. I'm not sure what this stuff... But this is the exposure, right? According to this guy. Uh, BlackRock, again, at the top of the list. HSBC, Ashmore, UBS, Royal Bank of Canada, government pension. Now, I don't know what government that is, but that is a little bit eye-opening. Pensions are involved with the stuff. Okay, so now we see Goldman Sachs down here. I think we see Dacke Bank Deutsch, so a German bank. Uh, Invesco, so yeah, some exposure here. Just looking at the comments. Yeah, someone's pension plan on number six is hurting. Yep, 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 yep. And it's going to affect U.S. bonds. Now, why is it going to affect U.S. bonds? We'll get to that here in a sec. <clears throat> we'll get to that. So let's read this because this is pretty key. This is from Reuters. Uh, international investors that have been piling into China recent years now are bracing for one of the greatest falls as the troubles of over property giant Evergrande has come to a head. Uh, it's been snowballing since May. $305 billion of liabilities. 80% uh, of his stock and bond prices have been knocked off. So it's down 80% in equity and credit and liabilities. Uh, 80, per, $80 million bond coupon payments now looms next week. I 
like the music, but stop. <laughs> okay. Uh, the developers uh, was have been snowballing, blah, blah, blah. We just read that. What happens next is unclear. Bankers have said it would most likely miss the payment and go into some kind of suspended animation where authorities step in and sell some of its assets. But it could get messy. Tonight, oh my I'll be eating a buffalo chicken panini with extra hot sauce. Tonight, oh I'll be eating salmon sushi with a Japanese jiggly cheesecake. Kind of good. Fire. Nice. Yeah. Spare pound. All right. Can you guys hear that now? I can hear it, but if you guys can't hear it, that's fine. I, I don't know how to turn the sound off for that. Sorry. I, I might just have to cut this out. I don't know what that's coming from. That's frustrating. Damn it, NASDAQ. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, bankers have said that it will most likely miss the payments and go into a kind of suspended animation. Yeah, it gets messy. We just read that. They're probably working out a deal in the background. But let's just see here. All right, I just muted my computer. Maybe that'll work. Uh, contagion from Evergrande has largely been confined to China's other highly indebted high-yield firms, which have also slumped. But Hong Kong's heavyweight Hang Seng... Also at a 10-month low on Thursday, showing that there is some spread. Okay, there are also some big-name global funds involved, too. Emacs data shows that Amundi, uh, Amundi Europe's largest asset manager was the largest overall holder of Evergrande's international bonds, although it is likely to have sold at least some before things turned really ugly. Likely? Okay, well, we hope. Uh, the Paris-headquartered firm had just under $93 million of exposure, UBS exposure. Okay, yep. It remains to be seen the scale of the loss that investors will face. Let me just make sure I'm recording. All right, 50 minutes, all right. Uh, back in April, Evergrande's bonds were trading at about 90 cents on the dollar. Now they're closer to 25 cents, so yeah, we know that. But let's just get to the important part. And we talked about this yesterday. Uh, Evergrande sent this to the Chinese government. Its liabilities involve more than 128 banks and 120 other types of institutions. So, yeah, lots of connections everywhere. Okay, so here's where it gets pretty important. Other funds also exposed to the bonds include the world's biggest asset manager, BlackRock, as well as dozens more, such as Fidelity, Goldman Sachs, Asset Management, and PIMCO. Oh, right, right. Major U.S. financial firms, including BlackRock, Goldman, and the likes of Blackstone, are due to meet with officials from China's central bank and its banking and securities regulators on Thursday. Yeah. So, that is interesting. What are they going to talk about? Hey, how's business? <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Who knows? How much this could spread. This is part of a self-reinforcing dynamic in which rising insolvency risk sets off financial distress costs, which in turn increase insolvency risks. So we're talking about a positive feedback loop here where uh, you know things just kind of go into a tailspin if it isn't addressed. Until regulators step in and credibly assess insolvency risk across the board, conditions are likely only to deteriorate, according to someone at the Carnegie Singua Center for Global Policy. 
Some veteran emerging market crisis watchers also think the troubles still have further to run. This unwind hasn't even really gotten started. Hans Humes at emerging market debt-focused hedge fund Greylock Capital says. So, yeah, this could just be the beginning. We'll see where this goes. So, one thing that we commented on earlier when we were talking about the dollar is that as the dollar goes up, there could be risks that just compound upon Evergrande because, again, they have $200 billion of dollar-denominated bonds. And if the dollar goes up in value, it's going to get ever more hard to pay those bonds off, even if the Chinese want to intervene because they would have to take out a lot of FX reserves in order to get into the FX markets to trade yuan for um, dollars. Or they'll just print the yuan and then buy the dollars. But if the dollar is increasing in value against the yuan, which is you know going to happen increasingly if they make this move – well, that's going to be rather costly to them, right? And so, you know, strong dollar has many other implications as well, which we won't get into. Not necessarily good for crypto, not necessarily good for stocks, just to be aware of. Um, but we're back to the global times. This was released a day ago, okay? So we could just be ahead of the curve. What could happen is that China sells U.S. treasuries, which they have a trillion dollars of. They could sell the treasuries, which they may want to do anyway. And this may be their excuse to do it because, look, we've talked about this on the channel before. Um, the treasuries are yielding negative significant sums. And the inflation rate, we believe, on this channel, I think is 15 to 20%. That may be conservative. Who knows? But it's certainly more than just 5 to 6%. But even if it was 5 to 6%, uh, we're, we're yielding negative in real terms about 5%. Okay, so consider that. And if inflation is actually 15 to 20% and the yield on the 10-year bond, as shown here, is 1.3%, okay, well, that means you're losing about 15% of your purchasing power every single year that you hold that bond. And by the time it matures, it's going to be worthless. And so... Um, that's problematic. Like, that's seriously problematic. And you've got $30 trillion of these U.S. treasuries out there that are being held by pensions and institutions and governments. And so you want to talk about mortgage-backed security toxic, uh, toxicity. That uh, the U.S. Treasury, I think, is the new mortgage bond. It's the new subprime loan bond. So the Chinese may use this as an opportunity to offload some of those treasuries. And the Russians have already gotten rid of all their U.S. treasuries because they see all this stuff coming. And um, they're also not very happy with us. They're not happy with how we've treated them, which we've not treated them very well. And so they sold all their dollar assets and sold all their treasuries. But if the Chinese need to get dollars quickly in order to solve this U.S. dollar-denominated debt crisis that they're seemingly going into, they may offload a lot of U.S. treasuries. Now, what does that mean? It means that yields in the United States are going to spike because if there's a dump of U.S. Treasuries, and maybe that encourages other people to dump their Treasuries too because I think a lot of people are aware that they're worthless. And it's only a matter of time before there is a massive sell-off in these Treasuries. And so if they start to really offload a lot of this stuff, other people could do the same too. And that is really... Uh, bearish for these bonds, and that is very bullish for bond yields. 
And so that has many implications, as we've talked about before, on auto loans, student loans, variable rate mortgages, if those still even exist, which I think some do. But, um, yeah, it's going to increase rates on everything unless, 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 unless the Federal Reserve steps in to buy those treasuries from China. So I think that the Federal Reserve is going to have to act in some manner here if this really starts to become an issue. The Federal Reserve is going to have to act and do something here. And if they choose to buy these treasuries, well, they're going to have to print the money to do that. And if they print the money to buy these treasuries because other governments probably don't want to pick up the slack and you know start buying these things, right? Uh, well, that's more inflation. And they're not going to taper jack squat. They're going to actually print more money, and they're going to expand their balance sheet, and there's going to be more inflation on top of all the inflation we already have. And so who knows what risks that introduces. So this could have spillover effects. Now, nothing about this is actually talking about Evergrande, this article. But, you know, with Evergrande now becoming a thing and dollar-denominated debts becoming problematic, uh, you know, this could have more significance. But let's just read this real quick. A week ago, Chinese and U.S. leaders held a phone call that injected some positive sentiment into what have otherwise been rapidly deteriorating Chinese-U.S. relations. Nevertheless, the U.S. government seems to continue to provoke China on the same issues related to China's national security, including Taiwan and the South China Sea. So, yeah, again, and this is kind of like a nuclear option for China. They could just dump all these treasuries, but then again, that has implications, of course, for their own economy. But if your own economy goes down... um. Well, then it's just all hands in the air, you know, like you just don't care since Washington is bent on poisoning. Yeah, so this is just propaganda against the United States. Right before Washington requested the phone call on September 10th, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, who again was the former Fed chairman, chairwoman, whatever, warned that the U.S. government was in danger of running out of cash in October unless the U.S. Congress raises the country's federal debt ceiling, which, of course, is going to happen. We all know it. Uh, the head of the U.S. Treasury Department is talking about a possible default on its debt by the world's only superpower and the biggest economy. The implications of such scenario for the global economy can hardly be overstated, as Yellen tried to convey in a reported letter to U.S. lawmakers. That's a situation I'm not even concerned about. <laughs> Relative to this situation, not even concerned about that. They're going to raise the debt ceiling. I think a lot of us know that. And then it's just going to be back to doing what they've always done, right? But if they don't, you know, it's, it's totally problematic, but they always do. They always raise it. A delay that calls into question the federal government's ability to meet all of its obligations would likely cause irreparable damage to the U.S. economy and global financial markets. While Yellen's blunt warning may have been primarily aimed at pressuring U.S. lawmakers into taking action, things are not looking so sanguine. The U.S. Congress, which is possibly among the most dysfunctional government bodies in the world, true, that hasn't gotten anything meaningful done in years, if not decades, is <laughs> You know, this is total propaganda, but, you know, they kind of have a point. It is once again engulfing, engulfed in partisan fighting. Uh, yeah. The U.S. government is facing default on their financial obligations, and the fallback strategy of the U.S. Democratic Party, which is in charge of both the White House and Congress, is to shame Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader of the U.S. Senate, into backing down from trying to stop efforts to raise the debt ceiling. McConnell... McConnell has made it clear that Republicans would not facilitate another reckless partisan taxing and spending spree. And if you haven't seen the video we've done on MasterCard and the new crypto global world order, 
Uh, go check that out. McConnell is married to somebody by the name of Angela Chow. Uh, that is the sister of Elaine Chow. Or no, 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 sorry. Uh, Mitch McConnell is married to Elaine Chow. Okay, and Elaine Chow and Angela Chow are in charge of one of the biggest Chinese shipping companies in the world. And Angela Chow, who is Elaine Chow's sister, that um, is married to Jim Brer, mind you. Interesting thing. Again, go watch that video. Um, Angela Chow is a part of the Council on Foreign Relations and sits as a member on the Bank of China. So very deep Chinese connections. McConnell's going to fold, I think. Right. Although bitter partisan fights, blah, 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 blah. Right, so here's this. This new round of confrontation in the U.S. is likely to pose some more serious risk for China's holding of U.S. Treasury bonds, which currently stands at excess of $1 trillion. So maybe they use this as the excuse to sell a lot of those treasuries, when in reality they need to sell those treasuries in order to stem internal financial turmoil. Who knows? Just speculating. This was released a day ago, right? So... So this is pretty key. The most direct risk is from U.S. domestic troubles, the inability and irresponsibility of U.S. political leaders, the falling U.S. economy, and above all, the rapidly evaporating U.S. credibility as the global leader. I think that's right. I think that's right. And constant domestic chaos. That's right. Other... Okay, so... Yeah, yeah, they go into why it is they bought the bonds. They're saying why they shouldn't maybe have the bonds anymore. In any case, China and other major U.S. Treasury bond holders should seriously consider trimming down their holdings, giving the mounting market risk. Well, if you're a foreigner, if you're a government in a foreign country reading this, and you're thinking that China's maybe about to start dumping their treasuries, you're going to be like, uh, maybe we should start to trim our treasuries too to hedge against this new sentiment. Again, because the Federal Reserve is printing like a mad man. I mean, it's going crazy. Um Leadership is non-existent in the United States. We look totally incompetent. We look crazy. So this has a lot of people worried, and this could definitely serve as a reasonable um, platform to start selling your treasuries and to not buy more, if that. And, you know, that could happen. So let's just move on. There's more to say about that. I don't want to get too deep into uh, what's happening geopolitically. Again, go see our geopolitical fallout from Afghanistan video with the petrodollar and all that stuff. We go into the rise of the Chinese Belt and Road Initiative, the rise of the Eurasian Trade Zone, a lot of stuff going on there. So here we go. Evergrande is the single largest high-yield dollar bond issuer in China, accounting for 16% of all outstanding notes. Right, yeah, so a lot going on. That's a big amount. And we're going to read here from Zero Hedge also that Chinese junk bonds are selling off rather quickly. So back in March 2020, when China's junk bond yields doubled effectively overnight from 7% to 14%, the catalyst was the unprecedented breakdown or lockdown, rather, of China's economy in response to the pandemic which credit investors speculated could lead to a tidal wave of defaults, but Beijing's aggressive response, which culminated with trillions of new debt injected into the economy, similarly with here in the United States, ended up being a tempest in a teapot, and over the next few months, China's junk bond yields gradually faded back to normal. Fast forward today, 
when after weeks of tentatively creeping higher, China's junk bonds not just surged higher overnight, but have just surpassed the 2020 highs, printing 14.34 overnight, the highest level since the great repo rate crisis of 2011. Well, in a word, and the only word that matters, it's Evergrande. And while contagion is clearly present, finally, as investors realize that the $300 billion creditor is about to default, it really is mostly Evergrande. Consider the following stunning facts. Evergrande is largely... Okay, let me read that again. Evergrande is the largest high-yield dollar bond issuer in China, accounting for 16% of outstanding notes, according to Bank of America. Should the company collapse, that alone would push the default rate on the country's junk dollar bond market to 14% from 3%. That's pretty significant. And it's not just dollar bond market, uh, the dollar bond market. The stakes are even higher on the mainland, whereas Bloomberg calculates the, the yuan-denominated Credit market is about 15 times the size at $12 trillion. While Evergrande is less of a whale on shore, a collapse would force banks to cut their holdings of corporate notes and even freeze money markets, the plumbing of China's financial system. We are already seeing signs of that with China's seven-day repo rate, which spiked to the highest since June, forcing the PBOC to inject the most liquidity, some 90 billion yuan overnight, the most since February. Right, so things are getting pretty messy again. If the Evergrande spillover leads to a freeze in the interbank market, the government or central bank would be forced to act, an outcome which Evergrande's investors are desperately hoping for, as it is the only hope that they have for recouping some of their money. Banks involved in property lending may come under pressure, leading to an increase in soured loans. Smaller banks exposed to Evergrande or other weaker developers may face significant increases in non-performing loans in the event of it, in the event of a default. Right, and so this is why a lot of people are now investing in China and why there could be a lot of exposure. So look at this. 85% of U.S. junk bonds now have a negative real rate. And they're using the CPI, mind you, as the measure. Uh, for you know, doing nominal yields minus inflation for real yields, if you use the real inch, uh, inflation rate, I would imagine 100% of U.S. junk bonds are neg negative now. Uh, let me get a drink real quick. So look at that chart. It's just going exponential, inflation kicking in. And whereas... There is virtually no real yield to be found across the entire U.S. dollar-denominated credit spectrum. Yield-starved investors should be sprinting into China to buy their 14% junk bonds. Again, so everyone's starved for yield, which is why gold should just be going nuclear. I mean, gold intrinsically has a 0% uh, percent yield. And if you're going to these bonds, if you're going into treasuries, for which there's $30 trillion uh, stored up there, and if you're going into uh, some of these stocks, these dividend-paying stocks, where the real dividend is actually negative, especially if you're getting into some of these tech stocks, right? Some of these growth stocks, which are overvalued by like 100x, right? Look at Netflix, look at Tesla, look at Shopify. Seriously overvalued stuff there. They don't even pay a dividend. And so, uh, you know, I just, that's why a lot of people are getting into cryptos. They're trying to get yield there. And that's why I imagine a lot of institutions are getting into it. They probably don't even really believe in crypto. Uh, they just want to offer their clients a way that they could get on the back of a bubble, get yield, um, 
and have some exposure to that. And I do believe uh, Bitcoin is a bubble. And I know that's not popular in the cryptocurrency community. I'm a big Monero guy. I like Pyrochain. I like Xano. I like Darrow and some of the other coins in the Freedom Coin space. They're better cryptos than Bitcoin. And so I think Bitcoin is ultimately going to fail, which means it's a bubble. And we could go into all that. Again, I have so many videos on that. Go watch all that. We don't have time to get into it. But uh, it, right now, it's acting as an inflation sponge. And it is taking a lot of the inflation out of the market. Thankfully, to the people in power, it's giving some exposure to yield, to some yield-starved investors. So that is why crypto is doing great. I, I would be a buyer of uh, Monero right now, um, especially if you're in China. You know, if you wanted to get out of whatever chaos could be coming, it might be a good idea, and again, not financial advice, to get exposure to private digital assets that can't be tracked or traced. You know, if there are capital controls which are coming, which it's very difficult to get gold out of China. There is no gold that leaves China. They have very stringent regulations for that. So if you're looking to get out of China, if you're looking to get out of some other places which have strict capital controls, which could probably be coming in the future for a lot of countries, even the United States, probably a good idea to get some private digital currency that can't be tracked or traced. And that is Monero and Pyrochain and some of these other coins that we love. So... Unlike in the West, back to the article, where they know central banks will bail them out, a rather socialist approach to what once were capital markets but are now capital Marxists, in China they have no such guarantees, which is actually rather ironic. Like we talked about before, for all its socialist characteristics, China may be the only place, place where true market capitalism, where failure means failure, if not for stake-backed companies, of course, can still be found. <clears throat> so again, they could just let it fail. It could be allowed to fail. And just remember 2015, right? Remember China 2015. So I think we went through this, right? Where China injected $14 billion into the markets. So now let's look at some of the fallout which is happening here. Uh, we're seeing... Oh, what's going on? Stop moving, stop moving. Uh, there was something here about Evergrande... Yeah. Declining iron ore prices. China's second largest property developer, Evergrande, is now on the verge of collapse. Chinese authorities have told banks not to expect a loan repayment next week. Investors rushed to sell shares of their other property developer stocks after Goldman Sachs warned Evergrande's crisis could put the property sector under pressure. Uh, should Evergrande fold, construction would reduce significantly, and so would the demand for iron ore. This means the price for iron ore would fall further. As you can see, the prices taken a tumble by nearly 50% since May of this year. This could also put our miners under pressure and a bigger dent to our economic growth. So, yeah, again, uh, radiant spillover effects happening here. And this is a chart of iron ore here, I believe. Yeah, so look at that dump right here. It was at 215 here. I believe that was the high, and now it's at about 119, so almost, yeah, 50% down. Pretty rough. So this is where I want to make a key point because we could be in January or early February of 2020 right now with everything that's going on in China. Again, not trying to spread foot or anything like that, I'm trying to give you intelligible and actionable information here make your own decisions but 
Zero Hedge here has a pretty intelligent statement. So the bug was to the $40 trillion fiscal monetary stimulus cycle of 2020 to 2021. And remember, in 2019, September 2019, there was a repo crisis. Uh, credit markets started to freeze because, remember, Jerome Powell was going on autopilot for raising interest rates. And he said that no matter what happens, we're raising those rates, we're normalizing rates, we're going to taper our balance sheet or whatever. And then that started a pretty significant repo crisis. And then they had to get back into the markets, and then this happened. And then when this happened, well, all that stuff went away rather quickly. And then stocks went back to all-time highs. Uh, the bond market was then under control. They were able to inch a little bit forward in their plans to pretty much buy everything in the world and become the lender and buyer of last resort uh, in their capacity to buy corporate debt. So now, as Evergrande collapses and the China real estate industry uh hold on, let me just read this again. COVID was to the $40 trillion fiscal monetary stimulus cycle of 2020 to 2021 as Evergrande collapse slash China real estate crisis will be to the 2022 and 2023. So what he's saying here is we could be looking at another situation where we go into another global financial crisis and all of the global central banks have to step in and I think do one final burst, do one final pump before they can't do it anymore because inflation would just be just hypersonic at that point. So maybe this is it. Maybe it's deflationary crisis now because maybe this burst out the entire system. I don't know. We don't we don't know enough. We don't know enough. But there is enough here to where it's probably intelligent to reallocate some assets, probably intelligent to um, take a look at the utility of cash and maybe look out for some dips, right? I, I would be saying that. Um, and I think more people are going to be waking up to this. So this is interesting. Again, more exposure... Look at all this. Yeah, exposure is getting pretty crazy. Yeah. So just be aware of this, guys. Just be aware of this. I'm not trying to spread FUD again. Just this is actionable intelligence. Oh, man, I'm tired. I can't wait for that Pirate Chain video to come out tomorrow. That's going to be key. You guys are going to love that. Please watch that. Um, we really need to build parallel economic systems. We really need to rebuild... Uh, our civilization. One way to do that is first by building a new economy. And I think that we can build a new economy with cryptocurrencies like Monero and Pirate Chain, gold, silver, private money, which is not the funny money that they print off a of press because they're big counterfeiting institutions who should all be arrested as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Um, you know, they talk about Nuremberg for everything that's going on right now in the medical scene. But frankly, with all of this experimental monetary policy stuff that they've done over the last 12 years, the fallout from all this is going to be worse than anything else going on right now. It's going to affect everyone on the planet. And it's going to be significant when these bubbles burst. And you do have bubbles over in China. Forget about them trying to tame excessive risk. Dude, you're like 10 years into a big credit cycle. <laughs> okay, like the risk is already there. You've already printed the money. 
Okay, so trying to go back now, I mean, you'd have to prick the bubble. You have to prick the bubble, right? And we can't allow them to move us into the system where they still have control. Because, again, go look at our MasterCard cryptocurrency video. Check out the Money Today show. There is a new initiative to bring everybody into a new digital financial system where they track your payments. They have control over uh, your economic access because maybe they make it where you have to have certain passports and IDs in order to enter in the economy, right? And that is all part of this new uh, initiative, which is being had on the uh, by global central banks and by uh, the powers that be. So things to be aware of, guys. Get private. Own your wealth. Make sure it is with you. And it's not uh, just willy-nilly tied up in some bank or some investment firm that is investing in who knows what. And the thing about gold and silver, guys, specifically gold and silver, with crypto, it's a little different. I think that gold and silver are still better stores of value than crypto. Crypto is good for a medium exchange. I think it's good for also getting money out of a respective country, especially if it's private. I mean, don't do that with Bitcoin. Do that with Monero if you're going to do it. Uh, but I think that, again, not financial advice. Don't break the law. Again, disclaimers or whatever. But uh, with gold and silver, there's no counterparty risk. And so if we get into situations where banks aren't trusting each other, as we talked about in yesterday's video, because they don't know who's exposed to what, um, you know, that could cause trouble for you if you have money tied up in the financial system. But when you have gold and silver, you have money that has been valuable for 5,000 years sitting there in your hand. And it's not like cryptocurrency where you have to rely on people to mine it into the future. You have to rely on electricity being uh, sustainable in your neighborhood. Look at Lebanon, right? You don't have to rely on internet access. Who knows what the future holds? With gold and silver, boom, right there in your hand. It's a great store of value. Um, but if you're going to hold any cryptocurrency, Monero's key. Pirate Chain and all these other cryptos are great. So I'm a little bit tired. I think I've said everything I need to say. I think we've gotten everything out there we need to get out. We're going to keep a watch on this story. There is so much happening with this, and there is just so much to keep uh, in tune. Uh, and so we're going to be looking at how the contagion rolls out, uh, who is implicated in all this stuff, how exposed they are, what that means for you, what that means for the people around you, right? And how you could adapt to that so that you could be ahead of the curve, as we love to be on this channel. So that's all I have to say, guys. My name is Mateo. Um, please, again, remember to like the video. Remember to share the links and share this information. Even if you don't share the video, at least share the information so that people can be aware of this stuff because it's pretty important. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to the channel. We go over some really cutting-edge content here on the channel. I'm really happy about all the support that we've gotten from different people out there, financially and otherwise. Thank you, everyone, supporting the channel. I really appreciate it. Go to our Patreon uh, to become a patron. There's some good benefits there. Check it out. Get in touch with me at Proton Mail if you want to get in touch because I also am a tax accountant. Uh, I can do tax advice, crypto advice, whatever you want. But, uh, yeah, check us out. We're awesome. So, again, guys, my name is Mateo. Again, the links, the social media links. How could I forget? Twitter, Gab, Facebook, or not Facebook. We don't, we don't do Facebook. Are you kidding me? Um, Odyssey especially, Telegram, all that stuff in the description below, as well as my cryptocurrency addresses. If you want to be so kind to donate and support the channel, we really need it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So, Manero Mateo, out. See you guys next time.